Welcome to another episode of the Nothing But Nets podcast, the Clutch Points Pod. I'm your host, Dave Early, here with, as always, with Greg Dennis. Greg, welcome back. I think this is our, our ninth episode. How are you doing? Thanks, Dave. Good to be here. It, it just keeps getting better each week, so looking forward to another good episode. And we have done quite a few on Kyrie Irving, part-time player status, vaccination status lately. Uh, I would say we have more James Harden content for in store today. He is a name that just keeps popping up in these trade rumors to Philadelphia. Um, Every home game now with Kevin Durant injured and Kyrie unavailable, he's the lone member of the big three. Uh, And it's difficult to focus on the game itself sometimes because there's just been so many reports that Daryl Morey is looking to get him. James Harden might have a wandering eye. The most recent sort of bombshell was from Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, who, in my opinion, like lended some credibility to all of the Harden for Ben Simmons sign and trade next summer rumors by pointing to specific reasons Harden might actually want out. Um, what, what was your first take on some of the latest Harden rumors that he might be frustrated or unhappy in Brooklyn and looking for a change, increased interest uh, in exploring free agency, I think was the phrase. Uh, I think that there's probably some truth to it that we've kind of explored that Harden is frustrated with certain things. Um, Maybe this isn't quite what he signed up for, didn't know what he was getting into. Totally believable that he's frustrated with uh, Kyrie Irving and his situation. Durant is hurt again. Uh, you know, you you wrote a great piece on why, on how difficult it actually would be for Philly to get him. And the more I've looked at it, uh, the more that seems to be the reality. And so, you know, these latest reports, I don't know, there's stuff in there about how he doesn't like living in Brooklyn, uh, frustrated with the lineups. I don't doubt any of that's true, but I just think at the end of the day, you know, one thing we've learned about Harden is he doesn't leave money on the table. And in this case, he couldn't even leave to go to a better team. I mean, he's on the most talented team in the NBA. Um, This was one of the teams he wanted to go to. And so I think that while he may have certain frustrations, Keep in mind, he's also adjusting to just, you know, the entire franchise in Houston was built around him for years. So this is a different situation. Um, and so I, I just think, like, when all is said and done, uh, he will remain a Brooklyn Net. I, I'd be surprised if, if uh, he was traded either now or over the summer. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think I was very, very confident he was going to stay to the point where I was dismissive of rumors because it felt like such a long shot. One of the things that gets overlooked in a lot of these conversations is, you know, the summer of 2019, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Nets, um, these teams had max salary cap space to offer like a big crop of free agents so when Jimmy Butler said to the 76ers, I'm going to change teams, they knew they had to honor that. 
of course, he, he would love to go to L.A., play with LeBron, Clippers, join Kawhi Leonard, maybe have his own team on the Knicks or the Nets, uh, join Kevin Durant. So it made sense to say, okay, we have no leverage here. Let's see if we could get Eric Gordon if he wants to go to the Rockets or Josh Richardson. If you, But that stuff is not the case now. There's very few teams where James Harden could point to incredibly say, this team has cap space. I want to play there. You're going to lose me for nothing because I'm going to go to Orlando or San Antonio. I mean, he might be able to convince them, like, I'm going to go to the Spurs and be like a central figure there. And I enjoy the state tax, which is something that Bleacher Report pointed out. The New York has some tough taxes. Um, but you also might be tempted to call his bluff on something like that and say, really? And until a team maybe like the Sixers dumped Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris for max cap space, you might not be quaking in your boots just yet. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I don't see Harden going to San Antonio. It just that would be really strange. Um, I I don't know. I mean the, the the Philly thing. I think I've been a long proponent that the Sixers should wait. Um, but for the reasons you said, the unlike the small percentage chance of getting Harden, uh, Embiid is so good right now that I actually do think. Sixers are going to trade Ben Simmons in the next two weeks um, because, you know, I just don't think anything else is likely enough that they can wait. Now, maybe you convince yourself that the deals that are there now for Ben Simmons will be there anyway. And that might be true, but the East is pretty open right now. So I've got to believe if there's a good deal that they think can really improve the team, that they're just going to make it and kind of just have faith that if they need to upgrade the team again, they'll be able to, because um, I don't know. I mean, if you have a, if you have a 15 to 20% chance of getting hardened over the summer, I don't know if that's worth burning a season for. And, you know, you've also mentioned Harden and beat Harden and Embiid is not, a guaranteed uh, championship either. Like it's, it's not even the best possible fit. So for all those reasons, I think um, Ben Simmons gets traded. I think Harden remains with the Nets. I think this is probably beneficial for the Sixers to get people to make their best offers. If, if they can, you know, create belief that they're going to, that, that Harden is coming. Uh, I think that's a good thing. But I don't see it. One of the first things you ask yourself is, who might want this out there? Is this some sort of leak for leverage or, or ploy? What do, who does this benefit? Um, and I think Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report, is a really good reporter. So I, I don't think that he would just run with anything he was told if he personally suspected um, this isn't true. This just benefits someone for me to report it. I think he would do his homework and get sources to corroborate this. So with all of that in mind, with Kendrick Perkins, who shares maybe shares an agent with Ben Simmons, with Clutch and Rich Paul, saying James Harden's camp is putting this out there and then turning to the Nets camp and saying something else. What do you make of these reports that James Harden does actually have a wandering eye? Is that for him looking to maximize his earning potential in July? Like, I'm a little bit worried that Joe Sy is going to try to give me 250 million on a five-year deal instead of 270. Could it just be that? 
No, I don't think it's that. I think I think he knows he has a max contract coming from the Nets. I, I don't think that that's the issue. I think that in the moment, he probably is frustrated. And, you know, maybe if all things were equal, he would look into uh, changing teams. The problem is they won't be. And, you know, they, they really never are. So I think that it's probably true. He, he probably, you know, doesn't love the inconsistency. Um, the Kyrie thing probably affects him more than it affects anyone. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's just not kind of what he thought it was going to be when he left Houston. But when he, when he really sits down at the end of the year and he looks at his options and he looks at what the terms of the contracts are going to be and what teams would have to give up um, to get him and what the teams would look like once he got there, I think he's just going to realize that, you know, just just take the uh, 270 or 280 million and kind of go from there. Yeah, I think I'd have to be pretty unhappy in Brooklyn to want to leave. They, as far as I understand, they can offer 270 million for five years. If he were to be signed and traded, he could make 200 million. I have heard some people talk about the scenario where he opts into the final year of his contract, waits six months and then signs an extension like Chris Paul did going to the Houston Rockets, and maybe he could make up a little bit more of the money, but still not the full stack that the Nets can drop. I would have to be pretty unhappy, and even when I hear these reports, without any knowledge, without any inside source, I don't see him being that unhappy. Um, Steve Nash, for what it's worth, was asked about these reports, and he said he had heard them. He was surprised. He said, it didn't sound to me like James Harden. Um, he pointed specifically to the stuff about how Harden was frustrated. It was reported that their end of game lineups were always changing. Um, so Nash made the very valid point that it would be absurd for Harden to be so frustrated with that because he knows better than anyone. And I talk to him every day. We don't always have the same guys in uniform. We learned about Kyrie Irving maybe being unavailable for the entire season just before the season started. Then we've had 10 guys in COVID protocol. We've had injuries, non-COVID illness, Joe Harris, now Kevin Durant. There's no way he could have expected Steve Nash to just, you know, if he wanted to play the same guys, he would have had to just play his like rookies every game pretty much. So if you're willing to dismiss the rest of the report because that one doesn't add up, fine. Um, I'm not, I think that it just signals to me that there's some, some noise and some signal and maybe more noise than signal at this point. It's kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah. I also have to say as someone who lived in Philadelphia for a long time, but grew up in New York city, uh, if you don't like Brooklyn, it, 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 you don't move to Philadelphia. Just, just saying. The, the, well, where do you like, go? <laughs> you know, I, I could see, I could see, like he misses, he misses Texas, or he's a West Coast guy. He, he is from California. Yep. But I, I don't see the. You know what? I'm really not liking Brooklyn. Too many hipsters. I'm gonna move to South Philly. That that, that doesn't that doesn't add up. The uh, so. the other thing is, if <laughs> if you were to argue, he doesn't like not being the man. He was the man in Houston. He's never the man when Kevin Durant's on his team. He's not even the man when Kyrie Irving is in there with him, maybe. But then 
Joel Embiid is sort of synonymous with the Sixers at this point, and the fans would have that allegiance there as well. Um, at this point, yeah, I would pu- I would push back on that. I-, I think I think we touched on this before, but I think as great as Embiid is, you know, Durant is 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 a whole other echelon. I think. Harden coming to Philly and the Sixers getting to the finals is would be kind of Harden being the guy that put that team over the top. Durant as a three-time champ and a four and an MVP, it's like you know there's not much to really add to that. I, I think we saw with Embiid, you know, he he was very very willing to kind of let Jimmy Butler be sort of like the guy on that team, like the finisher when you needed a bucket. Now, maybe now Embiid's obviously a better player than he was two years ago, so maybe that's not the case. But I don't know. I could see I could see the appeal for Harden, guy who's never made it out of the second round but is clearly good enough to be the best player on the championship team, you joining up with him and then the team making that leap. Yeah. Let me let me ask you about this other part, because it's not really relatable that he would be frustrated that Kevin Durant is out with a sprained knee. It is relatable. And we have seen Harden show some frustration, you know, exhibited when he's asked after losses about Kyrie Irving's part time status or how much they miss Kyrie. Um, You know, there there was that funny one that that I posted on Twitter where he was like, he knows that he knows that he knows that. (laughs) <laughs> when someone was asking, do you, do you tell him to get the vax? Do you tell him how much you need him? And he just kept repeating. He knows that, which is hilarious. Um, but do you, th- here's my theory. And then you push back and tell me if there's any holes in it. My theory is basically, yes, he's absolutely frustrated in Kyrie, but there figures to be some type of resolution by the time he's set for unrestricted free agency that he might have an answer one way or the other. He might have a sense that if Kyrie doesn't get vaccinated, they might look to sign and trade him or he might look to play in a city where he's a full-time, he can be a full-time player. Um, And so there are several, or they've won the championship and no one cares that he's a part-time player as much that takes away some of the pressure or stress or frustration that Harden would feel. So there are several scenarios where we're having this conversation in July and it's not nearly the headache that it appears to be today he might just sign, then Harden might just sign his five-year max. Is that fair? I'll actually take what you, what you said a step further. I think that Harden with his free agency, if, if, if he wanted, he'd have the leverage to basically say, I'll come back, but you have to trade Kyrie Irving. I don't, I think the Nets, that would be an easy call for the Nets. And do you think if the Sixers held (laughs) Ben Simmons through that trade deadline, hoping for Harden, that they might say, hey, look, the perfect backstop plan for us is to pursue Harden, and that might be a mutually exclusive proposition with Kyrie Irving. So if if we can't get Harden because he wants to stay in Brooklyn, Harden might say, just get Kyrie and his part-time status butt out of here, and now you send Ben Simmons for Kyrie, so Philly might wait for one of those superstars? I think that's totally possible. I mean, the only thing is, you know, when Kyrie Irving's trade value was at its absolute lowest, meaning he wasn't even playing, it didn't seem like the Sixers had any interest. So, no, but let's I, I say know. we're in the summer where this would be a sign and trade and they get four years of service because it makes sense that they would not have today 
because he, he could leave. He, imagine the optics when you trade Ben Simmons for Irving and Irving goes to Miami. I see. I see. So, so if Kyrie was locked up. It would have to be a sign and trade to get anything back for Kyrie. But yeah. I mean, on the court, on the court, it makes sense. I guess the issue would be, you know, you heard rumors basically Kyrie Irving was willing to retire if the Nets traded him. So any team that hears that has got to think like, well, that that would be a bigger disaster than if he left. (laughs) The thing with these these sign and trades is you do necessarily get everyone on board. So it wouldn't even be a conversation if Kyrie wasn't on board. So, but if he was, you know, if the Nets were essentially saying you're a part-time player, that doesn't work for us. We have Kevin Durant's blessing. If you want to go to Philly, this is something we can do. Um, because yeah, if, if Kyrie Irving says no, then, then you are in trouble because to the point you made, if James Harden were to look at them and say, it's him or me, and you can't sign and trade Irving, then you're looking at just losing him for nothing. And that's pretty tough. Yeah, no, that's, that's, you know, and the, and the other thing which we've talked about, I I think the more time that goes on, the more likely, if not possible, the scenario in which the Nets simply pay the fine for Kyrie Irving to play uh, in these home games. No, the NBA hasn't Uh, said that's not allowed. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So that's out. Yeah. That's, that's, that to me is, I mean, I don't know. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Could be only because away players can, can play there, but yeah, the NBA has essentially I, said, you, we want you to respect your local ordinance, not accrue fines. I see. I see. Well then, yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. I, it just gives me this musical chairs, wild scenario where we get, let's say he, the, the Sixers hold Ben Simmons. James Harden says mm-hmm. it's me or Kyrie. There's no change in Kyrie's status. And Kyrie, we say to Kyrie, do you want to go to the Sixers? He says, no, I'd rather retire. Now, would you, <laughs> rather, would you rather sign and trade Harden for Ben Simmons and pair up Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons rather than Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie, Kyrie retires? <laughs> Like in other words, would you would you rather maintain a big three, even if it's not the big the, the ideal big three? Yeah, KD, Irving, and then Harden gave gave that ultimatum. So then you trade him for Ben Simmons in July, um, because if the alternative is Kyrie threatening to retire, you're only stuck with Kevin Durant. Not stuck. You only get Kevin Durant and James Harden. Now you have to fill Kyrie Irving's money as a cap an over the cap team with a veteran minimum salary, and that's tough. Yeah, I think the one variable that we're that we're um, not including, which which might be the biggest one of all, is if Harden says, "Yeah, it's me or Kyrie," and then KD's like, "Actually, it's Kyrie." <laughs> yeah, because you know that's that's, that's and then that that throws everything into into uh, different situations. So I mean, maybe maybe you know maybe Harden knows that. I always figure like. There's probably all this stuff is probably 90% done with a 10% chance of change, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we just kind of find out about it later, but maybe not. I, I don't know. I mean, so then you also have to figure like, what will, how will the playoffs affect this stuff? I mean, if the Nets lose in the second round, 
Um, where, where does, you know, I don't know. If they lose to Milwaukee in the second round, maybe it's a much more appealing thing for Harden. Yeah, to if leave. You, if you were Joe Sy and James Harden refused the contract extension, which would have gotten him like, I don't know, $209 million, whatever. But he told you, don't worry, as long as you go back up the Brinks trucks for me in July, I'm going to be here for five years. But now you're seeing all of these rumors. Are you worried at all? Do you check in with him? What do you make of it if you've already been told that he does plan to stay here, which reportedly, according to Brian Lewis, I think of the post, he, he said that he does expect Harden and Harden did indicate he wants to retire in Brooklyn. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you're, you're, at, you're asking, do I think that's likely? No, no, just how would you hear all of these rumors if you've already been told, you know, behind closed doors, I want to be here for good? Would this make you nervous or would you say, eh, this is just the, the t- inevitable rumors that happen when any superstar faces pending unrestricted free agency? Just look what Durant's last year in Golden State, he knows. No, I, 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 would, I would think there's something to them. I mean, you know, to your point about Durant, yes, we were hearing he was going to leave. We were hearing he was going to leave, and then he left. So He was visibly you know, we unhappy hearing... at times. I don't think <laughs> right. Harden has been. That's true. But, but, I mean, like, there are stars where there's no reporting uh, or any speculation that they're going to leave, and usually they don't. Like, when Steph Curry's contract is ending, no one talks about where he might go. We all, it's, it's, it's pretty much, you know, a done deal that he's going to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, when Anthony Davis was a free agent after his season with the Lakers. Yeah. There were a few stories like, would he come back to the bulls? But like, basically we knew he was signing a max to the Lakers. So I do think like there is legitimacy to the reports. I just think because of the landscape of the league with the salary cap situation, with who has room, with what his options will be, that he'll probably end up back in Brooklyn. I do believe that it's true that he's that he's less than thrilled with the situation, though. Yeah, if you wanted to make him happier in the short, short and ideally long term, if you want to make him happy in the short term to increase your chances of keeping him long term, what would you do ahead of this trade deadline? Would you would you look to you know he loves playing with a, a big who can provide a vertical threat like Nick Claxton. So I might not want to take that away, even though that might be one of our best trade chips to try to utilize the $6 million and the $11 million exceptions from Dinwiddie and DeAndre. Um, what would you try to do to, I don't know, get him another 3 and D player alongside him he can trust? Or I think that would be ideal. You know, I mean, we've talked about guys like Covington, guys like Jeremy Grant, someone that can sort of like pick on – of those assignments spot up for three rumor today um, about justin look. justin holiday who's 20th in the league and made threes 37 on seven attempts per game he has a positive epm defensively so he's a, a pretty cheap they listed like two second round picks um obviously the catch that you can't make this stuff up is that he's not vaccinated so he'd be a part-time player in brooklyn unless he was willing to backs up to be a full-time <laughs> All right, well, that's player. out. <laughs> yeah. There's no there's no way the Nets are going to have two part-time players. I mean, maybe they could just have two different teams. Like unless team Justin just road. said, unless Justin just said, I'll, I'll do it. I just, you know, I yeah. didn't have to in Indiana. I will here. Yeah, that's, that's true. 
Um, no, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I don't expect really, really much. I, I don't know. I don't know what they really would give up. I mean, Claxton has come up, Joe Harris. Those are the two I, most likely, you know, because ha- Harris, yeah. who they love, just isn't available. And he has had a setback, Chris Hans report last night on TNT. And then Claxton is set for unrestricted free agency. So if you want to keep the big three together, you start getting into that territory where keeping a $10 million guy that far beyond the tax actually charges like an owner 40 million in, in those weird scenarios. So, you know, you might have to accept that he's not going to be back. But the question with you're all in this year, do you want him out there? Cause you can trust him. And he provides the switch type of lineups that LaMarcus doesn't, or is he the best possible sweetener you can offer to utilize your $11 million trade exception and get like an impact player. Steve Nash can absolutely trust um, because Claxton does have his age and experience and, of course, injury history. So I think that's a very difficult question to answer. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, it'll really come down to what's what's available, how much those guys are valued. And, you know, in the Nets, I guess, with Claxton, you're trying to thread, thread a needle between finances and winning a title this year. So it would have to be a player that helps in both regards. If you were Kevin Durant right now, knowing everything that we know, but not privy to all the information that he is, um, what would you ask them to do? Like to maybe increase the chances James wants to stay um, to maybe look to add some help, help them for a playoff run. Like would you use your influence in any way? Uh, you know, my sense is, is that Durant likes the team. You know, you can tell he's, he's the, he's the leader of the team. He's obviously the best player on the team. Like it's his team. I I don't know if he would exert his influence for a move around the margins. I mean, he might, I, like we said, if there's, if there's a defensive player they could get or, or a guy, you know, a guy who can defend and rebound, I could see. Derek Favors see on the Durant, Someone Williams. like that. I, I could see Durant being like, hey, is this guy available? Is there anything we can do? But I couldn't see him really like pressuring the team to make a move. Yeah, that's fair. Um, as you as you look ahead, we're we're thinking post-all-star break for Durant and Joe Harris's return. The team has definitely hit some sort of slump where they're now one of the worst defensive teams, which is a far cry from where they started the year uh, when Kyrie Irving was not in the lineup and there was no timetable for his return or availability. The team was playing very, very hard defensively. Um, I feel like collectively the foot came off the gas when they made the decision to return Irving now over a month, uh, like mid-December. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what to make of that. What do you make of that? Do you think, yeah, I, th- I think that that's, you know, it's kind of like this, this agreement amongst the team that everyone needs to pick up the slack and play above themselves while they're missing one of their main guys. And then all of a sudden that guy comes back and it's like, yeah, it's probably human nature to just, just be like, okay, I, I can do a little bit less now. And the problem with that is, you know, if you're playing a good team or, you know, Kyrie realistically is only there half the time, 
then you know even even a slight drop off lead to a slump like we're seeing what what is your feeling on it yeah i think uh i think it was like whew, okay now the car is gonna be back it doesn't really matter if we get home court or not uh we just really want to be healthy we don't need to claw and and grind for every possible stop at some point we're going to have scary hours and we're going to blow teams out and they've only played together two games but one of their games in chicago was like their best win of the year where they looked like the most unbeatable team in the nba um how scared would you be heading into the playoffs with Kyrie as a part-time player assuming eventually everyone came back healthy that they would not make it out of the east like but, you know, getting, um, getting through that gauntlet of Miami, Milwaukee, with no no help coming in at the trade deadline, you know, where's your radar at right now in terms of this is this team can go to the finals? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that they're you know one of one of three teams, three or four teams, depending on what the Sixers end up doing, that can win the East, and. You know, it would it wouldn't surprise me if they went to the finals at all. Um, conversely, they they could they could lose in the second round. You know, it, it really just depends on you know health and the matchups. But um, I you know I still think when they're when they're right that they're the favorites. Kyrie, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. No, I mean, I, I'm just trying to think like if you're the Nets and you're looking at the East, like who are you afraid of? I would be afraid that we're 12 and 12 at home and we know we're not going to have Irving available. What, what if a team was clicking on all cylinders like the Bucks and just won all of the games in Brooklyn, then yeah, we our big three might be good enough to win all of the games in Milwaukee. Um, but you couldn't really bank on that, especially, especially, especially because we wouldn't have as much continuity. Like the big three hasn't been out there to go win a war together much. No, definitely. I mean, I mean, I agree. I agree. They could lose to Milwaukee. Um, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised, frankly, but um, that's really the only team. Uh, I guess if you, I guess you can make an argument for Miami. We just haven't seen enough of them, but yeah, Milwaukee would be, would be tough. Um, I think I think that'd be a great series, and it would be strange with the home and away stuff. I'm not really sure how that would go, but you know, that's probably truly have an away an away team advantage, an away court advantage. They do, yeah. And then uh, in the playoffs, you know, usually home court means a little more in the playoffs than the regular season. But in the Nets' case, who knows? We have no idea what it's going to look like. So. Uh, you know, and then it's it's interesting from, you know, it's like as far as like the psychology of it, it's like if you're the Bucks and you have home court and you go down 0-2, normally that means the series is over. It's like you're, you, the team that loses those first two home games, they, they pretty much just lay down for game three. In, in this case, I feel like they'd be like, hey, we're good. We just got to go. <laughs> we just got to go to Brooklyn, win two games. Kyrie won't be there. And then let's come back for game five. Kyrie won't have played in two weeks. 
Maybe and, we get a, um, maybe we get one of those crews that doesn't send Harden in the line. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So even even the kind of like mental part of it is is totally inverse. It's funny hearing you talk. I wrote a piece today for Clutch Points that one of the things the Nets need to avoid doing is undervaluing their young core. But the more that I listen to you talk, the more I'm starting to feel that Sean Marks needs to be aggressive more than I felt two weeks ago at this deadline because his best case scenario here is part-time player be damned. We got to win the title. That's our best chance to get this big three. The two remaining members of the big three inked for good because that would be my ultimate goal. Durant's locked up. Um, I can drop more money on these other two guys than any other team. I just want them to say yes. I know if we win the title, they'll probably say yes. So I got to find a way to sweeten a deal with one or two of these young guys and maybe a pick or two seconds and use one of these uh, six or $11 million trade exceptions because I need one more guy just in case. Like we can't expect to be fully healthy. Maybe Joe Harris isn't someone we can rely on. Maybe he has a setback after his return. Maybe Patty Mills is playing such bigger minutes than he has at any other point in his career. And that's tough. You have Harden and Durant leading the league in minutes, which is not ideal. Um, so I feel like one more guy, I know Harden's just out of, I mean, Covington is just out of reach unless you trade Harris, which is obviously not ideal, but someone who's an impact player or two players who are helpful, like Justin holiday would be the way to go. So to, to that end, let me ask you this. What, if you had to handicap it right now, what are the odds that Durant, Harden, and Kyrie are all back with the Nets next season? Now, there has been a very, very recent, like while recording this update from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski saying James Harden has repeatedly told management ownership, those in the organization, that he's committed to being a net, that he wants to win a championship here. And more than that, the big three in Brooklyn, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, what they say publicly, they also say privately, which is when they're together, they believe they're unstoppable. So the most credible reporter in the NBA saying that should not be dismissed. I mean, that's a very, very important update. It doesn't completely negate the fact that James Harden might be frustrated, that he's going to take very realistic meetings during the offseason. Um, but the idea that he's repeatedly, and it sounds like maybe recently, told management that he continues to want to be a member of the Nets that's huge. So I guess if you ask me, you know, is there an 85, 90% chance they're going to get to keep him? Maybe it's higher. I don't know. Um, maybe they already have an agreement in place, but they're aware of, like you mentioned, sometimes there's a 90% chance, but there's also that 10% chance things go awry during the playoffs. People change their mind. The other end of it is then what about Kyrie Irving? Is there a chance that they're just going to be like completely over this? And if there's nothing different uh, vaccine wise, whatever, that they're going to say, look, we need something new. So this report might give you some optimism there that they see a resolution in place, or at least are committed to giving it a chance to play out and find some resolution in the future. If you give Kyrie, then maybe is somewhere between a 55 and 75% chance of staying. I mean, maybe it's even as high as 80, who knows. Um, then between those two, you're looking at a very optimistic scenario where you're keeping both. I mean, if it was 85 for Harden and 
75 for Kyrie, you're looking at a 63% chance to keep both. On the other side of that, that's maybe a 37% chance you don't keep one of them. And like to that point, uh, it, you know, is this the last run of this big three? And even if we're extremely optimistic that James Harden stays, and that's the, that's the case for Kyrie Irving, the chance that at least one of them is not here in some way, shape, or form uh, doesn't seem completely out of the realm of possibility, even despite these updates from Woj, just because you never know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so less, less than all that, all that is all that to say, this is um, this is their real shot at it. If if we're going by your odds, and it's crazy to think that Durant, like you look at his career. And he's been on such amazing teams with so much talent, but none of them have really lasted more than two or three years. You know, like he, he's, he's been part of, you could argue he's been part of three legitimate super teams. And if this one, you know, breaks up for one reason or another, whether it's the vaccine or whether Harden, you know, decides that uh, he doesn't like New York City, then this would be the third time where it looked like he was set up for like a dynasty or a mini dynasty where, you know, it, it just, it just kind of didn't work. Well, he might have two rings in golden state. I guess that worked. No, but I mean, it, he was only there for three years. Like, you know, I don't know. He, he left, he's the one who wanted to leave. Yeah. But I mean, when he signed there in, in the summer of 2016, I don't know. I don't remember thinking like this is a pit stop. I remember thinking like, oh my God, him, Curry, Draymond, and Clay are all in their primes. Like they're they're gonna, you know, they're gonna just run this for the next six, seven years. Mm. Um, so I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know either. I, I guess if I were James Harden, I'd look at this as Kyrie is going to be here long term. He he didn't take his extension. He was willing to lose so much money, and yet to keep Kevin Durant happy, you're still going to have to lock him up. So, do I want to commit long term to a team that's essentially Kevin Durant's team first and foremost, and Kyrie Irving with no resolution to this vaccine thing? And as I'm saying all that, I'm like, but there's a good chance that there will be some form of resolution. So. A lot up in the air. I guess. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like if I say to you, "What are the odds the Nets come out of the East?" Right? You like their odds against any team, but they're probably not over fifty percent to win the East, right? Right. So I think you're. I think. I think your odds are, if they're not right, that they're not far from right. It's just saying them out loud. You're like, wow! I just concluded that one of these guys is going to be on another team or retire next year, even though that seems so mind blowing to say. Right. Right. Well, that's a good note. Uh, I think this is one of our uh, juiciest pods. Plenty of plenty of kind of out there takes. <laughs> Lots to chew on. Lots to chew on. Um, so yeah, if you guys are listening out there, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up um, on Instagram at David Early on Twitter. D a v i d e a r l y. Send us some questions. Great Twitter. Great Twitter. Great follow. <laughs> I uh, my account is is a lot of. I do a lot of promoting of Dave's account, so. <laughs> oh, all right. So with that, let's let's wrap up, right? All right. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Dave.